In Cleveland, Ohio, in 2009, there were a series of tragedies going on. They were obvious to anyone who entered certain neighborhoods. Children abandoned by crack-addicted parents, robberies, beatings, murders, women selling their bodies to feed their addictions. One tragedy that everyone seemed to overlook, though, was happening behind the closed doors of a two-family home on Imperial Avenue. When the veil was lifted, the neighborhood would never be the same. I'm Christina. And I'm Kristen. And today on the Real Crime Podcast, we will be talking about the Cleveland Strangler, Anthony Sowell, and his former home at 12205 Imperial Avenue. So back in September of 2009, a woman by the name of Latundra Billups went to the home of an acquaintance for a drink. Pretty normal, right? You would think. Yeah. It wasn't. Very straightforward. <laughs> yeah. And this actually wasn't even the first time that Latundra was there. In fact, she noted that they didn't go into his apartment on like the attic floor, the attic level, which I don't think was a formal apartment, but it's kind of where he spent most of his time. I'm pretty sure it looked like an attic. Yeah, I, I think it was just like an attic space, which is where they, I guess, normally would have gone. Um, but instead, they went to like the full blown apartment on the second floor. He had uh, a family member. Anthony Sowell had a family member who was supposed to be living on the first floor, but was currently in the hospital, so hadn't moved in yet. So Anthony's claim was that the that upper space, that attic space, was just too dirty. I bet I know it was up there. Oh, oh, really? What do you think was up there? Should I ruin it? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> so keep in keep in mind, like. Something being too dirty is, like, super relative. This place was disgusting. And, like, we'll get into it, but we're talking, like, buckets of human waste kind of gross. And that was on the second floor. Right. Exactly. That wasn't <laughs> where he even... was okay with bringing people. <laughs> exactly. Where he was bringing guests in. So things basically seemed fine between the two of them. Anthony and LaTundra, they were hanging out, drinking, getting high, doing what they did. Anthony was known as Tone to locals, and all of a sudden, Anthony snapped. He attacked Latundra. He choked her with a cord. He hit her. He raped her until she eventually passed out. Hours later, when she seemed to come through, it was kind of a surprise to both of them. She literally just like popped up and he looked at her like, what? I thought I killed you sort of thing. And she was like, oh, I thought I was dead. Like it was... A real surprise to both of them. That's a fun way to wake up. Right? So Anthony said, 
At this point, he was going to need to kill her. But LaTundra, who gave pretty much the most Oscar-worthy performance, convinced him it was all good. She wouldn't say anything to anyone, but she also probably wasn't going to come over anymore. She was like, she pretended nothing happened. Yeah, she's like, what are you talking about? Everything's fine. Yeah, it's cool. This is totally normal. Yeah, everything's cool. This This kind of stuff happens sometimes, you know? So he actually apologized to her and then walked her out. She casually and calmly left. But once she hit the curve of that corner, she took off in a full-blown sprint. Like, she just took off. Yeah, as I think anyone would. I know. It's like, well, I'm out of the, 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 the viewing point. Wow, I can't speak. Um, So she went to the hospital the next morning and filed a police report. It would actually be about three weeks before an investigator contacted her. However, according to the police department in the area, they had tried to contact her. But given that LaTundra was an active drug user and kind of living on the outer rims of society, she didn't exactly have a solid schedule and she really wasn't easy to track down. I don't know what I believe there because That's there's fair. a lot of... Yeah. Dropping the ball on the part of the police in this, yes. in this story specifically. Yes, yes, yes. And I think, too, it's one of those situations where many of the people that we're dealing with in this episode are living on those outer rims of society. They're mostly drug addicts. Right, and exactly. And, and prostitutes. And no They're, one takes them seriously. Exactly, exactly. And so it's it's really one of those things where... You're running into a situation where I think even under the best circumstances, the police are only going to do so much. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, they also don't. Yeah. Like I said, they don't take anyone seriously right. as an addict or like, oh, you're high. Like, you right. imagined it. Right. Not really even a prostitute, just more like an addict. Like mm-hmm. this story is a good reason to tell your children not to become addicts, because if something happens oh. to you. You're kind of shit out of luck. It is such a good. Re- this is this is the dare program right here. That's right. what this is. Right. Like, I mean, they could just basically tell this story or, you know, show us this one of the many documentaries that that has been made about this story and be like, this is all of the reasons not to become a drug addict. And I'm pretty sure everybody would safely stay away. Yeah. Perfect victims, really. Oh, yeah. I, and and it's it really makes you question who's at fault, you know? Also, that sounded like me victim blaming, which I am not. No, no, no. That's fair. They're easier targets. Right. Exactly. Again, no one takes them seriously, including the police. Right. Which is not their fault on, you know, they're still victims in the scenario, but it's just it's just shitty societal circumstances. So regardless of what actually happened, when the police finally do track down LaTundra and once everything gets kind of played out, It took about, you know, three weeks or so. But later on October 29th of 2009, police went to the soul's house and had a warrant for his arrest for sexual assault, because obviously she had physical proof that she She was sexually assaulted. She had gone to the hospital. Right. And and was given a rape kit. Right, 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 right. She also was able to say, hey, I left my pink sweater there. And so if you go into his house, you'll find my pink sweater. Right. And that's, you know, proof that I was I was there. So the police went in, they had this mission to retrieve a pink sweater and any other, you know, basically any other evidence that a sexual assault had occurred uh, that might have been left behind there. So they go in and at that home on Imperial Avenue, they didn't find Seoul, but they found so much more than just a pink sweater. I mean, so much more. 
So there was this wicked and overwhelming odor as soon as police reached the door. And this was an odor that had permeated the neighborhood. It had actually caused complaints to the town. uh, And it was blamed on a sausage and head cheese factory next door, next door called Ray's Sausage. Uh, But I mean, it's the smell was definitely coming from inside the soul's house. For sure. not, it really sucks for the sausage, sausage it company because they had to spend like I think it was like ten thousand or a like, hundred thousand. I don't know. Some, it's like upwards thousands of dollars of money yes. to like redo their pipes and sewage ventilation, like the whole <laughs> shebang. And it wasn't even right. It, it wasn't even them exactly. And and quick side note: so the smell was so profound, as we were saying, that they spent like countless hours and dollars trying to remove the odor, but the neighborhood just sort of come like came to this conclusion that they were just going to deal with it for the rest of their lives. And I'm like, that's crazy. And on another quick side note, because I just mentioned head cheese for anyone who doesn't know what head cheese is and Kristen's already not feeling great. So she might die. um, It's basically a jelly made from the scrapings of the inside of a skull of an animal and then served like a cold cut. And it's just really better if you hear the description for me versus Googling it and trying to figure out what it is, because then you'll get an image of it. And it's no, it's not good. It's not good. Another reason I don't eat animals. Animals. And some people really like Cole would eat it. Cole would eat that. Absolutely. There's a lot of people. A little nauseous. Anytime we're adding (laughs) jelly to anything, I'm not okay with it. So investigators they enter this home looking for evidence of the sexual assault as they climb the stairs that smell keeps getting stronger and stronger so they're Mm -hmm. reaching the top floor they're plunged into darkness with only flashlights because the windows were covered in black sheeting obviously they didn't want people peeking in and seeing them smoking crack or dealing drugs or anything like that which was something that occurred in this house frequently frequently yes they open a door and they see two human forms on the floor they point their guns and as they're announcing themselves with force they realize the forms aren't moving And the smell was more than unbearable at this point. It wasn't long before they realized that they were looking at two bodies. Two bodies so badly decomposed, they couldn't even identify the sex of the victims or their skin color. They assumed, based on clothing, that the the victims identified as female. But the actual identification would take time, DNA, and family IDs. Like a lot of time. A lot of time. He didn't even know their He wasn't sure who they were. Yeah. He being Anthony. Anthony Sowell. Yeah. Who we're obviously going to get to here. And again, let's just pop back to this, like, the terrible stench and um, trash reason he didn't want people on the third floor right it it was because they were dead bodies right right it wasn't just because of the fecal matter in buckets that was acceptable right and and this was a house with like plumbing you know and bathrooms but i guess well, they were doing crack right so it's like a bucket is easier sometimes like getting high with weed right 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 they weren't hard drugs right they were they were definitely like knocking themselves out like they were doing hardcore stuff with themselves so the house then becomes a crime scene the search continues and over the course of the next few days the bodies and remains of 11 victims were found 
So not only were bodies found in shallow graves inside the home, but they were found in crawl spaces, the basements, closets, and they were even found scattered throughout the yard, buried and long decomposed. Didn't they find a human head? They did. In the basement? They did, Among yeah. trash? Right. It was so like wrapped up in something. He had, at, for some reason, just started leaving trash and like collecting trash in right. his house like probably like because of the crack i'm feeling i'm feeling status. yeah exactly yeah. and among that trash was a human head right just kind of chilling yeah and i think it was like wrapped up in paper or cloth or something like that but when we say like the decomposition was so far along like we're talking there were tree roots growing through these bodies and they ended up having to like cut down the trees in the yard in order to excavate the areas and get all of the remains out your face right now is like priceless like because when you walked in and you looked like you wanted to die and now we're sitting here and we're talking about human remains decomposing and you're like please just kill me just end it i'm powering through a migraine right yes, now. By yeah the way. <laughs> she's such a trooper it's not even funny so soul who had been Sowell, who had been living in this home for the last four years so he'd been living among all of this and doing these things for the last four years. He was 50 years old at the time of his arrest. You would think that, you know, this would be pretty straightforward and simple. But instead, it was basically the start of the unraveling of the neighborhood. I mean, the crack em- epidemic was sweeping the area. The negligence uh, on the local police handling these issues and the question of questionable practices that didn't allow for this monster to be found and taken down sooner all just became apparent so there was this um i don't a drugstore i guess or was it a liquor store um imperial it, it was a corner store. a corner store yeah and it probably was a little bit of both like if it was a corner store yeah and the owner of it he had owned it with his brother who had previously in earlier years been shot by crackheads mm-hmm. in the store right just point blank Right. For no reason. Just because. So um, the, now solo owner obviously had a very a, a he, grudge towards all crackheads. He had a distinct he had a distinct feeling about uh, everything that was going on in the neighborhood. I, I think he, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, he said in the documentary Unseen. Unseen. That, Unseen. Yes. That he wished that there were a hundred more or however a thousand more or whatever anthony souls to yeah. clean up the garbage in right. the neighborhood right and which is a really strong statement and it's incredibly telling about just the the disaster that the neighborhood had become i mean we are talking mothers just like leaving their children you know just walking yeah. away and not coming back for days not feeding anyone yeah, family so members one of, them, one of the victims the son was on there on the documentary and yes. he was saying that he and his little sister would have a teaspoon of peanut butter for breakfast mm-hmm. a teaspoon of peanut butter for lunch mm-hmm. and a teaspoon of peanut butter for dinner and just that was for, all for survival ate, exactly just to survive and he was the one too who said that when his mother was sober she was a really loving person yeah. and like if you get the chance to watch this documentary, I definitely recommend it. But just realize that your heart is going to be broken. Like, absolutely, absolutely wretched. Because it not only tells the tale of Anthony Soul and his crimes, but it tells the tale of a neighborhood. And it's more focused on the neighborhood and yeah. the people that lived in it yeah. than um, 
the serial killer. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. But I, I think that that's, if you will, the perfect backdrop for what was going on and why yeah. this happened. So speaking of backdrops, let's give a little history on Anthony Sowell. So he was a former Marine. In fact, he served uh, the U.S. Marines for seven years and was fairly decorated at the end of his career. He was well known. He was well liked in the area, but he had a past. So after his discharge from the Marines, he was arrested in 1989 when he attacked a woman, raped and choked her. She was three months pregnant at the time and survived her attack. Anthony served 15 years for what he did to her. So I just want to point out that he was in jail from 1990 to 2005. Yes. Do you know how much the world changed in those 15 years? Yes. Imagine going from 1990 to before like really any technology you've got like internet you've basic technology right exactly and he's basically stepping out with cell phones you know what i mean like right before the birth of the iphone exactly like so much changed yeah it's crazy i I can't think of another time in history where there's been that much change in the world in 15 years in in such a small collected period of time no that's an excellent point so he went into jail and then he came out and everything was completely different so imagine navigating through that crazy but also being a sick individual right 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 absolutely so after um After all of this comes to light, his own cousin, Anthony's own cousin, actually came forward after his second arrest to say that she, too, had been raped by Sowell, but was too afraid prior to that to have come forward. They were living together as children. Right. And and he didn't have a great upbringing, as one can imagine. Exactly. Exactly. Most serial killers don't. I know. I know. And uh, oftentimes they're products of their environment, which is miserable. So after his 15 years in prison, he worked at a local Cleveland factory. Then he was laid off and started collecting unemployment. This was about 2007. And about that time, that's when the smell really started in the area. And poor Ray's sausages had to kind of like deal with the brunt of it. So since Sol was a registered sex offender, he would regularly get unannounced pop-ins from the police. He was good about updating his registration, staying in contact with his parole officer. So literally no one was suspecting anything. As far as they were concerned, he was reformed. Which is really crazy because if they looked even a little bit, they would find dead bodies. Like he wasn't even hiding the dead bodies. Not to mention like if I'm a police officer and I'm walking up and I'm finding like disturbed earth in the backyard. Like. Right. It's I mean, it's not like he so lived on acres and acres. This is this is in a town. He was a convicted sex offender, mm-hmm. not a murderer. But he tried so, to kill her. He just got lucky. She but, just got lucky, yeah, if we're being did. honest. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like they just weren't looking for Agreed. That. I, I mean, I feel like they weren't looking for anything, quite frankly, right. in this scenario. It was like he's there. There's no woman that's immediately being held captive, you know, in our sight line or whatever so it must be fine so it was also a time in this neighborhood as we've said it was so blinded by drugs that so many of the fears and reports were dismissed and we're talking about these marginalized groups that we've discussed before and how often they're overlooked or forgotten so Sowell knew how to pick his victims on top of that like he he picked family members 
or he picked people who had family members, but who also had a history of just disappearing for periods of time, you know, or it, it was just one of those things where family members may have been looking for these missing women, but police weren't. And they were, they were adults, drug addicts, they were adults and they were drug addicts and they would engage in prostitution. And so they were if they disappeared, nobody was nobody was checking anything. And they were really only prostitutes to pay off. To pay for the drugs. Drug problem. Exactly. And and oftentimes when I say they were prostitutes, oftentimes they weren't even receiving money. It was like, sure, you know, I'll sleep with you for crack. Yeah. Let's do this. Because that's that's the desperation and the addiction that it creates. So his victims ranged in age from 25 to 53 and disappeared between May of 2007 and September of 2009, which was the same month that Latundra found herself waking up on the floor of his home after being choked. So she was just inside with recently dead individuals. Interestingly, in order to save themselves the grief of a trial, the victims and families of Sowell petitioned to have the death penalty taken off the table and allow him to plead out for prison. However, the DA actually refused and forced it to go to trial. So this was a very unique move and very unusual because generally speaking, they listen to the victims in the family. Now, that being said, if anybody deserves the death penalty, it's definitely him. But at the same time, not at the expense of his victim's well-being. Well, he... Okay. Okay. So Saul was eventually convicted, sentenced to prison, and actually died in February of last year, 2021, from kind of an unnamed illness in prison. Wouldn't be surprised if it was like COVID or something like that, and they just didn't talk about it. Mm, I feel like they would definitely say it if it was, That's fair. Maybe he just... Yeah. I I don't know. He wasn't... They didn't specify. I just hope it was kind of painful. So as for the home, it had already seen severe damage from the police searching for remains and victims. And many in the area believed that uh, they would have found even more if they'd kept going. And they did eventually expand past that house to surrounding empty lots In December of 2011, the home at 12205 Imperial Avenue was demolished. And as of June 2021, it will be turned into a memorial garden to remember each of the uh, the 11 victims. I feel like this is the best way to do anything with a a house like this. A thousand percent. And we say it a lot. Right. Why isn't this house torn down? Why isn't it torn down? way too and it, it took 10 years but who cares you know it's like tear I mean, it well, down they, they tore it they, they tore, tore it down, down in 2011 pretty, yeah. but to turn it into the memorial garden and they do um they have like really beautiful landscaping plans for it for the neighborhood and everything it's going to be a place of remembrance now and I, like like you were just saying the more we talk about this i feel like this is the only way that they should be doing it yeah. at this point So according to an article by Fox News, the garden will have an entry plaza with a seating wall, a pathway, and a memorial monument with the names of the victims on it and an excerpt from the poem, Still I Rise by Maya Angelou. The plans also include restoring the property with native plants, including 33 native trees, native wildflowers, um, uh, bushes and grasses. I don't know what word I typed there. Forbes? Forbes. 
I don't know what that is. I don't know either. <laughs> I don't. And I, I typed a word and I don't recognize it. And we're both staring at my notes, questioning everything right now. So if you looked on Google Street Maps now, the house is gone and it's simply an empty lot next to the boarded up business of Ray's Sausages. Oh, Ray's Sausages didn't. I know. Exist. Like a part, a part of me really wants them to kind of like get back everything they put into it. I can't <laughs> right. even imagine spending that much money on a smell that you were not causing. So as we mentioned before, there's this fantastic documentary called Unseen available on Peacock to scream, to stream, to scream. It's also on, is it on Peacock? I watched it on Amazon Prime. Oh, I watched it on Peacock Mm because I got rid of my Prime account. That probably would have been better with less commercials. It was good. It was good. There were no commercials. No, there were commercials. Peacock has commercials. It's okay. Uh, So it's technically about the events and crimes of the Strangler, but it also dives deeply into the crack epidemic and the survivor stories. Um, And there's actually a... I'm going to put up a link if you don't have Amazon Prime or Peacock, you can watch it on Vudu and I'll put up a link uh, for the in the show notes and everything. So you can watch it there. I think it's got commercials, but otherwise you'll be able to watch it. So and um, I really liked the survivor story of Miss Gay. I don't remember her first name. I think it starts with a V. But okay. I do know her last name was Gay. Okay. Um, She was taken into his house mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, he and raped her and similarly to uh Latundra Latundra yes she asked to use the bathroom and oh my god she went into the bathroom and on her way to the bathroom she passed by a room that had a dead body in it with Mm -hmm. the head severed off and she Mm -hmm. had to see that and pretend she didn't see it and everything was okay and she she, like acted like I can't imagine not reacting to that I have no idea what I would do. And she somehow saw it, didn't react, and got herself out of there. And then was the only one that testified against him in court. Yes. And her her testimony was so powerful. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched it a few times and I was just like chills every single time. Yeah. Like it was it was gut wrenching gut wrenching to watch. So yeah. Well, that is our episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Kristen, I hope your migraine feels better. Thank you. Absolutely. Go home and sit in the dark. Yes, go sit in the dark. Drink lots of coffee. Currently, I do have a partial dark. And we have most of the lights off in the room. Most of the lights off. I appreciate that. Anytime. (laughs) Anytime. All right, guys. We will talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.